0: morning. Welcome. Welcome to Cultivate Church. My name is Jay Frank Hoare, and uh, it's an exciting day. We have a lot happening, a lot going on. So we are uh, closing, we're getting towards the end of a series that we're calling Something to Believe in. And throughout this whole series, what we've been doing is outlining the core beliefs of what we believe as a church. These are the things that make us who we are. And so we've gone through a number of different topics. We're up to week seven of week eight. Um, I missed last week because I was away, so it's good to be back with you this morning. And uh, we are, are now kind of pulling into the station, so to speak. And uh, the, the great thing about this morning is that we're not just going to talk about what we believe. We're actually going to see it demonstrated in the lives of people. Because today we're talking about salvation, and we're celebrating salvation through baptism. Baptism. And that, that is a wonderful thing, and we're going to be talking about that as we go along. But I, what I wanted to do is kind of outline what our, our actual core belief is. And so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go through it, and then you can read it up here on the screen. It says this, Salvation is a free gift from God to man. Humanity can never make up for his sin by self-improvement or good works. Only by trusting in Jesus Christ as atonement for our sin can we be reunited with God and saved from sin's penalty. Eternal life begins the moment one receives Jesus Christ into his life by faith. Because God gives eternal life through Jesus Christ, the believer is secure in that salvation for all eternity. Salvation is maintained by the grace and power of God, not by the self-effort of the Christian. It is the grace and keeping power of God that gives this security. I know there's a lot there, and we're actually not going to get to all of it, so if you have questions throughout the week, feel free to pose them on the city, and, and we'll, uh, we'll try to get to them. How many, let me ask this. How many of you like when I start out with a personal story to, to open the sermon? I, I, here's the thing. I, I, I often tell very embarrassing stories about myself just to show that, uh, that I'm kind of a real person and help help you uh, relate to where I'm at and, and kind of the things that I often struggle with. Um, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a different route this morning and I'm going to tell you and read to you a, a different kind of story, but an equally true story that comes straight out of the Bible. And this is going to kind of frame uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning and how we view salvation and baptism. And it's one of the most significant events in the entire Bible. And it's when the, the Israel as a nation, crossed through the Red Sea. All right? So we're going to read this. Uh, it comes from Exodus 14, starting in verse 5. We're going to follow it all the way to the end. So just to give you some backdrop, as a nation, Israel was, um, was brought into the land of Egypt. And they went of their own accord. They went there uh, under their own power. But over time, about 400 years period, they had gone from being free people in, in Egypt to being slaves in Egypt. And, and for centuries, for generation after generation, they cried out to God and said, God, will you help us? Will you save us? Will you bring us out of this place into our own land? And God heard that prayer, and he decided to respond. And so this story is God using someone named Moses. Anybody here, the guy named Moses? Pretty popular guy, right, in the Bible? He, he uses this guy Moses to lead these people out of Egypt through the Red Sea and ultimately to a land of their own. And so we'll pick up the story here in verse 5. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, that they were going away, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. What kind of service? Are they like good at back rubs? No, they, they were slaves, right? They are losing their entire slave labor force. And they think, Our economy is just going to crash. What were we thinking letting these people go? And so here's what they do. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots, uh, horse and troops, pursued the Israelites and took them as they camped by the sea As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them, this great force. And they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, this is great, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? In other words, Moses, hey, bad idea. What what in the world were you thinking? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, here's the key, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the seas to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. What what an amazing idea, huh? I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his armies through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of the army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. So the God is now guarding the Israelites from this approaching army so that they can head out into the sea. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went to the other side all night long. When Moses stretched out his hand over the sea... All that night, the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and the the Pharaoh's horsemen and chariots and and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of cloud and, and the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion." He made the wheels of the chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. This Lord of theirs is fighting for them against us. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and the chariots and the horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. And the Egyptians that were fleeing towards it, the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and a wall on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Egyptians saw or when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against them, The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now, why in the world did I go through that entire story? It is because it is one of the most perfect pictures that we have of how God still works salvation even today. It it, it is a a type, if you will, of the way that God brings about salvation. And by the way, he is still doing it even today today the, the red sea crossing shapes the entire biblical narrative from that point all the way through the rest of the story and God uses it over and over again to define who he is and to divine his his people so the reason i share it is because it's this perfect picture and my prayer for you and for me today is that regardless of whether you've ever given your life to jesus at any point in the past or if you've never been involved in this thing called church and you're skeptical of the whole deal, that you would gain, in some sense, a clear picture of the way that God brings about salvation for his people and that you might, just might, entertain that thought as being something that's available and open to you. Because this is the way that God works. So, since we're talking about salvation today, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of look back over the story and talk about three main things that we can learn about the way that God brings about salvation for His people from this particular story, all right? So I'm going to go over three very specific things that we learn from this story. Uh, The first is this, is that we need to be saved from something. So just like the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, they needed some help, right? They needed to get out of bondage. They needed to get out of where they were because they had no ability to do it of themselves. They were in slavery. Um, This was part of their life. The Bible talks about salvation most often in a term called redemption. It uses this word redeemed to talk about salvation all throughout the entire Bible. And to redeem something simply means this. It means to loosen it from its restraints. It, It means to take something that's bound up, that's held, that's tied down, and to just cut away the restraints so that it has freedom, that it can roam, that it can be what it's supposed to be. That's the way that the Bible talks about salvation. And here's the thing. It wasn't just the Israelites that were in bondage. All of us experience bondage in our own life. We experience slavery in some form. Um, And there are primarily two ways that we experience it. One is sort of an objective way, and another is a subjective way. So I'm going to talk about both. The objective way is this, that none of us are perfect, right? Anybody here claim to be perfect? I just like to see a hand. (laughs) And yet, all of us, deep down inside, know that we should be perfect. We know, deep down, way down, when no one's looking, when no one's thinking about it, that we should be perfect. So when we make mistakes, when we do things that are wrong, We think, oh, why did I do that? It's the same thing I did 10 years ago, and yet I'm repeating the same mistake I did back then. Why? If we didn't think that we should be perfect, it wouldn't trouble us, right? We would just go on our day and and think about something else. And yet that nagging, gnawing reality continues to persist in our lives. We know deep down that we should be perfect, and yet we're not. The Bible says that the reason for that condition is because we're enslaved to something called sin. So all of us were created, and I talked about this two weeks ago, to be a perfect reflection of God's love, and yet all of us are a cracked image of that love. And that condition is something that stands in opposition to our relationship with God. We have no ability to rectify that in and of ourselves. So just like the Israelites, right? They are enslaved to Egypt. They are bound by the landscape. There is no way for them to escape, at least not all of them at one time. They need a way out. And they need it badly. And they have no ability to get out on their own. And so what does God do? He provides a way for them to get out. But then you think, okay, so, so salvation is about getting out from bondage. So maybe you're in the situation where you think, okay, I've given my life to Jesus, I've started this whole thing called the Christian life, and yet there are still things that seem to drag me down over and over and over again. Things that I struggled with before I was a Christian that I'm still struggling with today. That's kind of the subjective bondage to sin. And I'll describe it this way. What do you think it was like to be a slave right before... Emancipation Proclamation. What do you think it was like to, to be a slave in the South before the time when, when, when that declaration was made? If you walked up to a white person as a black person in the South at that time, you had absolutely no rights, right? You were in bondage. You were enslaved. You had absolutely no ability to say anything, and so you lived in f- complete and total fear. Now, fast forward the clock to like 10 years after the Emancipation Proclamation. You're that same person walking around the South. You have, by proclamation of the President of the United States, been free and clear. You are no longer a slave. You have every right of any other citizen in the entire nation. And yet you run into that same person that you ran into 15 years ago and you were scared to death. What feelings are going through your mind? You are terrified. Why? Because even though you are declared free and right, that same slave, that same bondage to to that old life continues to persist into our new life. Many of us continue to live with that same fear that we lived with before we came to know Jesus. And yet what the Bible's declaration is, is that when we come to him, we are free and clear. There is no sin that can bind us and chain us to an old way of life. It's like standing on one side of the Red Sea before and standing on the other side of the Red Sea afterwards. And that army of Egypt cannot get through that wall of water. But if we read the story of Israel, they continued to struggle with that same thought. Why did you bring us out in the desert to kill us? We would have been better going back and just dying in Egypt. In their hearts, in in, in who they were and where they stood, they were completely free. And yet in their hearts, they were still slaves. Let me ask this. How many of us live that way? Declared free and right. And yet, inside, we live lives of of fear and condemnation. God said, it is not so. My salvation is enough to bring you out of Egypt. So we need to be saved from something. The second thing that we need is that we need a way to be saved. And our way to be saved is by crossing over by grace. Moses said, said it this way. He answered the people when they were on the the banks of the shore. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. How many of you have ever uh, tried to swim a great distance across a body of water? Ever tried that? I I was... um, uh, Doing some uh, some recreational boating with some friends of mine, and so we're we're out in the middle of a lake, and the the engine died on the boat, and so we're we're out there all by ourselves, and we're going okay, um, I, what do we do? So we had life jackets obviously, and, uh, and so we devised this plan. We were kind of like right in the middle, you know, They'd like just pick a direction because everyone looks like the the same thing, and yet from the boat you can look to shore and you can think. That's not that far. <laughs> you know? I, I'm, in, I'm in decent shape. It, you know, it, I could walk there. If I can walk there, I can swim there. It's not that hard. And, and so I, I remember, I, this wasn't me. I decided to stay in the boat. I wasn't giving the away. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend decided he was going to swim to shore, and then if we found another option, we would take that option, but he was going to head in and try to get some, some the other uh, boat or whatever, put some gas in it and see if he could come back and try to kick start the engine. So so he starts swimming out, and about I don't know 45 minutes later, a boat comes along and says, "Hey, are you guys stuck? I noticed you're out here." And we said, "Yeah, could you could you give us a, a tow back into shore?" And he said, "Yeah, sure." So he hooks up the boat. This is now like an hour, hour and 15 minutes after we got stranded, and he headed towards shore. Five minutes later, we found him in the, in the water. <laughs> he, he had gotten like a quarter of the way there, completely exhausted, even though he was wearing his life preserver, just struggling, struggling, struggling towards the shore. And here we are getting a hitch there, and we, we, we were there in, in less than 10 minutes. Um, every other, I'll put it this way, every other religion besides Christianity is all about swimming across the lake right? It's all about, I see where I need to get, I know I'm not there, and so I'm going to do my darndest to, to paddle as hard and as fast as I can to try and make it to the other side. Let me ask, how is that working? <laughs> it didn't work so well for me, I've got to be honest with you. Notice the contrast here. What does Moses say to the people Stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. What does God do? He parts the way through the sea, and they walk through on dry ground. What an amazing picture of the way salvation works, right? Here we are, standing on the side of sin and slavery and death. We have no ability to get out of it our own. We think we can get across the other side it just seems so far away, and then God brings a path through the water for us to walk through on dry ground. You know what that's called? It's called grace. That's exactly what grace is. It's God's ability to bring you across to the other side. Romans 4 or 5 puts it this way, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. See, what makes somebody a Christian is not the amount of effort they put into the Christian life. It's about the change of status that comes when we believe in in Christ through faith, by grace. That's what it's all about. God's ability to bring you to the other side. And here's the thing. My guess is this. When they're walking through on dry ground, there were probably people who were like, Ha, ha, look at this. Yeah. I'm all about, they're, they're like strutting their stuff through, right? Like, you can't touch us, we are going through. I bet there are also people that were walking through kind of like this. Ah, it's going to fall, it's going to fall, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Right? Both people made it across, didn't they? Yeah? So it wasn't the amount of faith they had. It was the object of their faith that brought them across, correct? So even the ones who had the smallest amount of faith and the most amount of doubts said, Okay, God, I am going to put my trust in you and in your servant Moses. And based on that small amount of trust, he brings them through to the underside. And they stand on the other shore in freedom and victory, no longer to be slaves ever, ever again. Isn't that amazing? It is not the amount of faith that we have that brings us to the other side. It's who we place our faith in. This brings us to the third one. We need someone to make it possible for us to be saved. And in the story of the Red Sea Crossing, that mediator is Moses. In our story, that mediator, his name is Jesus. But think about this. The Red Sea Crossing, all it took was God choosing one man and one piece of wood and two million people went through the sea unscathed. Isn't that amazing? One man, one piece of wood, God works a miracle through them. He is the mediator that, that God uses. So it's not like the Israelites could say, "Huh, well, thanks, Moses, for getting us this far. I see the, the Red Sea parting, but now that the sea is parted, the sea looks a little bit more calm over here, and so I think I'm going to swim for it. It didn't work that way. You, you needed to be able to trust in Moses and his, not his own ability, but, but God's ability to work through him as the mediator to bring you across. One man, one piece of wood. You know how it works today? One man, his name is Jesus Christ, who died on one piece of wood called the Roman cross, who is able to bring you together to God, to bring you out of slavery and into the land of freedom. That's the way it works, folks. That is the, the one person throughout all history that we point to and say he is our mediator. He is the one who brings freedom. I have kind of a deep concern today. I'm concerned that many of us understand with our minds that Jesus is the only way out of bondage and yet we live our lives in such a way that we're trying to paddle across ourselves. That's my concern. See, if it were possible to get out of slavery to the things that hold you mastery, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to die in the first place. If you could swim across yourself, then Moses wouldn't have parted the sea. The truth is the sea is just too wide for you and me to cross ourselves. And the only way that we can get out of slavery is to place our trust in this mediator who brings us to the other side. Hebrews 7.25 puts it this way. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Let me ask you this. Do you know that Jesus lives to intercede for you? Do you know that? Have you made that truth your own? That Jesus lives even today. He rose from the dead, and he now sits seated in heaven, making intercession for you, being the mediator for you. It doesn't take anyone else. It doesn't take a church. It doesn't take a really spiritual person. It doesn't take anyone like that. All it takes is Jesus. He mediates that relationship between God and men and is able to bring us completely to Him. Let me say something about the people that are going to be baptized today because we're, we're going to close up and then head in and celebrate God's activity in their lives. The people that are being baptized today aren't standing up and saying, "Look what I've made of my life." They aren't standing before you today and saying, look how far I've come. Look at the changes that I've made. Look at at me. What they're saying with their lives as we baptize them is, I know where I stand. I know that God has made a way through the Red Sea by grace. And now I stand on the other side because I've trusted in God's mediator named Jesus and I'm free and have victory in Him. I have placed my trust in Him. Will I continue to, 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 be, to have that slavery to sin and bondage continue throughout my life? Yes. It doesn't mean that we're, we're not baptizing perfect people today. We are baptizing people who have recognized their need for God and have come to Him in faith and said, I'm yours. That's exactly what we're doing today. So what about you? It's easy to talk about these things in kind of an abstract way and to convince ourselves that they apply to somebody else, but what if today was the day of salvation for you? John 1.12 puts it this way. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To anyone who comes to him, to anyone who receives Jesus as the mediator, has the ability to cross over from death into life. Do you realize that? that? That that isn't just true for the nation of Israel. It's not just true for me. It's not just true for the people that are being baptized today. It could, should, and would be true for you today if you believe and receive who he is. And he will give that right to become children of God. What an amazing promise that is. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go back to, to baptize some folks today. Um, so let's pray. Father, thank you, God, that, uh, that you are a God of salvation, that, that just as Israel wasn't left on the shores of slavery, but they were brought through to freedom, you give us that same ability through your son, Jesus. I pray, God, that we would come to understand our need for you. I know many of us have been trying to cross that shore ourselves, and so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that it's only through you that we are able to cross over to the other side. Father, give us fresh eyes to see your son and how he brings new life today. As we celebrate that new life through baptism, I pray, God, that that you would come and bless other people here. May today be the day of salvation, not just for those being baptized, but for all of us. We ask in Christ's name.